0: Welcome to another episode of Tell Me About Your Damn Book. I'm your host, Stephen Lohmer, and my guest this week is a talented romance author who has come to us from the wilds of New Hampshire. Please welcome Carrie L'Amour. Carrie, welcome. Thank you. Appreciate you you coming today. You grew up as one of those kids who read all night under the covers. Uh, Once you had your first glimpse of a romance novel at age 12, it was all over. Romance was in your blood. It would be many years before the stories that ran rampant in your head finally drove you to put words on paper. You wrote self-indulgently for the first few years and only recently began penning stories to share with others. You still write stories that are self-indulgent, but you hope others might get some enjoyment from them too. Now that your children are all grown and have moved out, you use your spare time to create stories of love and happily ever-after romances where heroes ride to the rescue of damsels who have already saved themselves? You live with your husband in a small town in New England, dreaming of warmer weather, but only if it's near the ocean.
1: Absolutely, <laughs> I gotta have water. <laughs>
0: uh, where do you originally hail from?
1: I uh, hail Mass, so not too far, just south of the uh, New Hampshire border.
0: Okay. Uh, you're published by Lyrical Underground.
1: Uh, yeah, it's a it's a um, one of the Kensington. It's lines. an imprint of Kensington. Kensington. Yeah. Uh,
0: how did that come about?
1: I, it was actually I just, you know, once I finished um, the first story, I um, I sent it to a few publishers and I got feedback, you know, rejections, but but some of them, it was great. And I ended up adding about, you know, it was like 70,000 words. I ended up adding about 17,000, a little bit more um, of the suspense into it. And um, just kept, you know, trying to send it out. I sent it out to about a dozen places and got, you know, a dozen rejections. (laughs) And I was just about ready to put it aside. And I'd been writing other things as well. And I just sent this one on New Year's Eve. I sat and I sent out probably like eight more figuring this is it well just if not I'll move on to an, another story mm-hmm. and a um, couple of weeks later I got a thing saying oh yeah I've, you know like the story it's, it's gonna move up and so yeah so just the slush file did you
0: um, did you ever consider going the indie author route
1: um, you know I mean I I've, I've belonged to a lot of writers groups mm-hmm. for a number of years now um, I think, I, you know one of the first like about 2012 was when I really started going online and connecting with people online um, but honestly being a full-time teacher I just I did not have the time I don't have the knowledge I, I, I can't do the marketing mm-hmm. um, and I, I absolutely didn't have the money right you know I right. you know I, I mean as much as I know some people do amazing with it but as a full-time teacher and you know even though my kid and at the time I, I Few of the kids was still at home and still, you know, running around, and uh, so, you know, I suppose if I ever got to the point where I hadn't been able to sell something, I may have considered that, but I just, I just didn't have the money or the knowledge or the time. Sure, so. sure, that makes
0: sense. Okay, I know nothing of romance books. What makes a good romance book?
1: Well, I think it depends. It's different for every person. What I love about romance books, um, one of the biggest things is that they have a happily ever after. I, I, You know, I don't want to read something where the person dies at the end. Do they all have a happily they ever do. after? They do. That is, oh, uh, by definition, by definition. That's why sometimes, oh, Nicholas Sparks, you know, he doesn't write romance. He writes love stories. Uh-huh. You know, Romeo and Juliet was a love story. It was not a romance because, let's face it, so that didn't really have a good history. <laughs> no, no, um, it did not. He liked can I swear? I mean, Go ahead. What all life means? Sucks <laughs> as it is. And um, yeah, life life is life is so crappy anyway. I mean, you know, I shouldn't say that because I have a great life. But uh-huh. let's face it. Let's look out into the to the world. You know, and I don't want to read stories about you know, people being, you know, beaten and raped and killed and, and horrible stuff because, Mm -hmm. you know, and I shouldn't say, because in my stories I do, I mean, I write romantic suspense. So there are people who, you know, um, there are people who die, (laughs) but it's usually not the main characters. Actually, it's never the main characters. So I have (laughs) happy endings. Um, but, you know, so yeah, there, people go through a conflict and it's nice to watch here they are, two people, and for some reason, they can't be together. That's that's the whole premise of a romance novel, is here are these two people who, you know, have something in common, or they don't, or whatever. There's a conflict. And you watch as they figure out how to overcome that conflict to be together. And I just, I love that. I love seeing, how they're going to make it and i love it when an author can really make me believe that they will have a happily ever after that that in 20 30 50 years from now these two are still going to be together they're still going to be just you know loving each other and yeah
0: okay how do you balance in writing romance how do you balance the romance and the sex
1: um I don't write a ton of sex in my books. Um, I do I do write some. Okay. Um, just because it's romance. Although, you know, I have to say, I just finished a new book. Um, I, My husband and I had our 30th anniversary up in Bar Harbor. Congratulations. Last August. Thank you. And we stayed in the same bed and breakfast um, that we had stayed at during our honeymoon. Very sweet. So it was very nice. Um, and so chatting with one of the women... There, she was like, Oh, you gotta write about Bar Harbor. And I'm like, oh, Bar Harbor is my favorite place in the world. So, <laughs> of course, on the five hour drive home, I did, I plotted three new stories. <laughs> I have a muse that's on steroids. Sure. And, you sure. know, nothing just, wrong with that. I you know, <laughs> 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 was just finding the time to write the million and a half stories. <laughs> so, um, I just wrote, so I just finished writing this first book. Um, and in it, even though you know they're kissing and whatever, it, I actually, for this couple, because of their situation, when it got to the point where they were going to have sex, I actually just kind of trailed off, and we, we call that closing the door. Oh. So, um, so yes, they had sex, but you didn't see it. Okay. You saw what led up to it, and then I closed the door for them for this story i thought that was appropriate because they it was a second chance romance so they had been together before and you know lots of problems um and i thought they needed their privacy
0: what are romance fans like in your experience
1: Fans. Yes. I'm still waiting to get some of
0: those. I'm sure you I have
1: fans. I'm sure you have fans. I'm still a fairly new writer. My first book only came out last March. So last year was a good year for me because I had a book out in March, a book out in July, and a book out in December. So now I'm in the, you know, I have to go and like sell these books. The first book actually did pretty well. Um, the ones that I've met so far, I did go to a conference that was a reader's conference last fall. And they're, they're so sweet. And they're so nice. And, you know, um, the thing that romance writers are also romance readers. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I'm a voracious reader. I read all the time. I mean, people are like, oh, how many books do you read in a year? And I'm like, in a year? Like, for like a week. <laughs> um, but, you know... Romance writers actually are very—they—they um, they help each other. They want—they are some of the nicest. I've had people who have—you know—I belong to Sisters in Crime, and I know other people who you know belong to you know mystery writers and and all that stuff and and different um, genre writing groups and. Everybody says that like the romance writers are the nicest because we believe in love. That's hmm. that's what we write. We write about love, and so because of that, you know that we practice what you preach.
0: So it's been an overwhelmingly positive experience. Oh, it has
1: been amazing, which is one of the reasons I'm retiring from teaching this year. I've got 31 days left, but I'm not counting. Or <laughs> not counting. Um, so, yeah, i you know going to try, try my hand at doing this full time and see if it, you know, things pick up mm-hmm. and, you know, um, but yeah, no, I just, I love, I love getting together with writers. I've, I've joined quite a few little local writers groups and I love going to conferences and book signings and things like that and chatting with other writers because it's just, it's amazing.
0: You used to blog. Um, a little bit. A little bit. And Very. now you've fallen off of that.
1: Well, I, I, I started my blog, yeah, when I first started writing, you know, my original stuff. Um, and, but, you know, between work and trying to write and the, you know, a million books that I have to read all the time, too. I well, don't have to, but I want to. <laughs> um, yeah, it, you know, when I get to the point where it's like, oh, you know, does anybody even read my blog? And so I actually started... Uh, because the blog that I have is called um, The Hopeless Romantic. But now I actually use that page mostly just to help other authors. I put, you know, if somebody's got a book, I'm always like, okay, as long as it has a little bit of romance in it, mm-hmm. I am happy to, you know, put your cover, anything you want, you know, give me a blurb, give me a little snippet and I'll put it up there and, you know, and then I tweet it out and Facebook it and whatnot. So, you know, okay. What do you like to do in your leisure time? Um, okay (laughs) leisure time. If you have any any leisure time. (laughs) Leisure time. Full time job. (laughs) When you're not writing. Um Yeah, honestly, I don't really have leisure time. I love to read. I mean seriously, this is what I do in my leisure. I don't have a whole lot of other um hobbies you know, maybe when the kids were younger, you know, take them out. I do have, I have a four year old grandson, so I like hanging out with him occasionally. And um, uh, my daughter and her husband have a um, house that's right near a lake. And so they have a boat. So in the summertime, I again, that water thing. Yeah, the water thing, right. <laughs> water, I love, you know, um, just, you know, growing up in Haverhill, we were, you know, not too far from the ocean. And my grandparents had a place on a lake and, you know, so, yeah, I just love the water. So. You know, go hang out the one But you know, if I'm out there, you know, I have a book. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna read. I just I can't think of anything better. <laughs> I try and teach my students that it's like, guys, you know, I'm giving you the opportunity to sit and read. You know? Right. And I was the student in class who would have the book under the seat <laughs> under the desk, right? Yeah. And you'd yeah. be doing this while you're supposed to be doing it. And I'd ha- yeah.
0: Right. So let's talk about that. Facebook post of yours where you handed your letter of retirement to your oh. boss <laughs> saying goodbye teaching, hello full time writer. What yes. was that like?
1: Oh. <laughs> uh, it, it's funny because a couple people at, at work now are going, gee, you just seem so much lighter <laughs> floating through the air. Uh, you know, and it's terrible. To, I love. I've loved teaching, um, but I don't love it as much as I used to. And I don't think it's not that I don't love teaching; it's that teaching has changed. Um, with the, and it, not to get like super political or you know, um, because I could we could do a whole couple hours <laughs> on on how education is, but we're we're testing kids too much, and we're um, we're trying to get them to do things that they're not developmentally ready to do
0: interesting
1: um and when we've got kids like you know you're teaching kindergarten kids and and i taught kindergarten for 20 years and then now i teach third grade um and what i was teaching in kindergarten you know just even 10 years ago 10 15 years ago is not what they're teaching now kindergarten is now first grade it's, they're teaching, you know, if, if they're not blending through the vowel and reading by October, you got to get them an intervention. And it's ridiculous because kids are not developmentally ready to do that. It's like saying, you know, if you look at, at babies, an infant, the average age to walk is 12 to 16 months. Okay. That's average. Yeah. Okay. Clinically proven average. Okay. Um, are there children who walk at 10 months? Absolutely the ones you don't want to walk because they get in trouble <laughs> <laughs> um, but so it's like somebody saying well you know there are kids who walk at 10 months so you know what we're gonna we want all kids to walk at 10 months and if they don't walk at 10 months we're gonna give them intervention and we're gonna start doing things to help them walk which you know you're making a scowling face because you're right it's ridiculous yeah
0: yeah it's completely it's ridiculous. completely
1: ridiculous but this is what education has become wow there are some kids who can read in kindergarten yes there are doesn't mean all of them can and most of them are not developmentally ready to do it I teach third grade we use words we teach algebra we we use the word algorithm in third grade (laughs) we're teaching these kids to do things these these stuff that they have to keep in their head in order to do it and it's just like yeah they don't know what five plus two is they haven't figured that you know they don't have that stuck in their head yet Automatically, but you want them to keep all of this stuff and do all this mental math. And so when you get to the point where I feel like I'm torturing kids, it's time to hang up my teaching degree.
0: Do you think then that there will be, uh, after sort of your generation, do you think that there will be a dearth of teachers, of people who won't want to get into this for the reasons that you're getting um, out of it?
1: Well, right now, and I'm not sure what the latest, but it's, it's about 80%. Of all teachers in their first five years, leave the field. Really, eighty percent. Wow. Yeah.
0: That's terrifying.
1: Yeah. Oh, and, and people are retiring like at you know my <laughs> young age. Um, so yeah. You know the fact. You know I, I can only retire because I have a set number of years in. Right. So you know, invested in my retirement system, um, I'm not going to collect them till I'm 60. So we have lots of years. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> lots.
0: Lots of years. Lots, <laughs> lots of, of years.
1: years. Um, but yet, a lot of people are just saying, "You got to get out of here."
0: Who are some uh, romance authors that you admire?
1: Um- Well, I have some, some of them are people that I've recently met. Um, Peggy Jager is amazing. She also lives in New Hampshire. okay. And um, she and I have just clicked and connected. And um, I have I have a little group that uh, a couple of years ago we went to New York City for the big major national conference um and we so we have our own little facebook group we call ourselves the fab four <laughs> we had room together and grant, i think that might be trademarked i'm just yeah, well, i'm just saying okay all i'm right, just well, saying okay keep that in mind all right <laughs> <laughs> um so you know m.a grant and um another uh Bryn kelly she writes under brynn kelly she also uh, and she writes amazing stuff she's up for a rita award which is kind of like the big Romance Writers Award that you get um, during the national convention in the summer. Um, Carrie Nichols is another one. So um, they're they're friends that I've met long long time ago on um, some different um, writing boards. So they've been amazing. I love them. Um, I love people who write similar to me because obviously again self-indulgent writer (laughs) right right can't um, forget that (laughs) yeah so I mean there are a lot of people who you know you know you say you know they're definite one clicks Monica McCabe who also writes for Kensington and and I probably wouldn't have ever looked at her stuff if it wasn't for the fact that you know she was a sister author from Kensington and (laughs) um, her stuff is great. She, she writes romantic suspense and she has a lot more worldly suspense, you know, mine takes place in Connecticut, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, she has, you know, Africa and Japan and, and, you know, she's world traveled. Um, Stephanie London is, is a woman that I met <clears throat> again years ago online and, and a couple of these people I've actually met in real life and it's so amazing when you meet them in real life because it's like you've known them forever. Sure. you talking to them and, um, So Stephanie has, she has, you know, uh, lighthearted, you know, um, banter and and very, um, very cool. She's young. She's like in her early 30s, so she can write (laughs) that young stuff. You know me, I'm I'm an old bitty, so I have to pretend. (laughs) Um,
0: Okay, so we have a a gimmick on this show that we are contractually obligated to live up to. So Carrie Lamore, tell me about your damn book.
1: Okay, well, uh, so I, I chose to talk about the second book, Running Target. Uh, the book is, uh, Jack Holland is an FBI agent. He is, um, at the beginning, he's undercover as a chauffeur for a mob boss, Victor Cabrini. And um, Victor's son, Angelo, um, has this friend, Callie. And Callie, um is is basically camouflage for Angelo. Angelo's gay, he doesn't want his father to know that he's gay, so he uses Callie. She realizes they're just friends. Um, And so Jack and Callie actually have a little fling. (laughs) And um, so the book starts with Angelo basically um, confronting Jack, saying, you know, stay away from Callie. He has found out that she's pregnant and this is the you know so she um she hasn't found out yet the doctor had just done a test told um angelo thinking he was the father and so um angelo stabs jack tries to kill him and jack somehow manages to um you know rip the knife from him, (laughs) and uh he manages you know as angelo's you know hovering over him gloating he stabs him and Jack stumbles off. Um, so Angelo. So in the, this is all the first chapter, and you can read this for free online. I think on Barnes and Noble they have the first chapter for free. So um, so Jack is on the run. Uh, Angelo ends up dying, and um, so he's a running target.
0: It's uh, it's book two of the series. Uh, book one is Wild Card Undercover. Yep. Uh, book two is Running Target, and, and book three is Fatal Evidence. Yes. And then you you published them all in 2017. I did. So you had them all set beforehand. The, the
1: first two books were written when I contracted. Mm-hmm. Um, the second book, actually, Running Target, was a total mess. <laughs> <laughs> um, it had so many plot holes. But um, I actually had one. I was at a conference and I had one a 25 um, page critique um, from Deb Dixon, who is I don't know if you've heard of her. She's um, she's a romance author editor or whatever but she is the author of this one book called um, GMC Gold motivation conflict which is kind of the Bible for most romance writers um, and actually for anybody so it's, it's a great book and she had helped you know plug a few holes and whatnot and then I sat with well I sat online with my critique partner who lives in Alaska and we went through it with a fine-tooth comb and and it's, it's funny because at one point she goes oh because I didn't originally have Angelo being gay, and I was just, and she's like, oh, well, I thought, and I went, oh, wait a minute, that will fix
0: like six of the holes.
1: <laughs> I was so excited. Sometimes things just don't come to you, so right. this is why you need a critique partner. Sure. Um, so I, I had to i had to clean that up a little bit and plug some holes and whatnot, but it's funny because when you ask people, Running Target is the favorite of most of them.
0: Nice. Yeah. Good. So. uh, Then I'm glad that that's the damn book you chose to talk about. The damn book that I yeah. (laughs) Well, in its second,
1: the first book sold pretty well. The second, you know, it's trying to you know get momentum going. Mm -hmm. Um, So you know, hopefully when people read the first, they'll they they'll go and, oh, hey, look, she's got another book. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and another beyond that. And another beyond that. Yep. And
1: yeah, and I actually, I have a few more stories that I can, because I've introduced a few characters in there, um, so I could actually have three more beyond that, but it's a matter of getting the publisher to say, sure. <laughs> right, right, yes, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah. If I was selling 10,000 copies,
0: Then,
1: you know, I probably could, you know, write my ticket. But um, so.
0: Okay. We're all struggling authors. It's fine. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, We have a uh, segment on the show called Questions from the Great Unwashed. These are social media questions that have been submitted for you. Um, you never know what you're going to get. It's always a mixed bag. Sometimes they're deep. Sometimes they're a little nuts, uh, but I will present them to you. Feel free to answer them or ignore them as you choose. <laughs> just get up and walk out. <laughs> you could do that too. I okay. would be a first, but go ahead. Um, the, so the first question is uh, from Joanne from New Hampshire. She asks, what's your patronus?
1: You know what, I'd have to say maybe a giraffe.
0: Uh, Tommy from Rhode Island would like to know, what's the hardest cut you ever had to make to a book? The
1: hardest cut? Um, well, I have a new series that is currently, you know, being pushed to, from my agent to publishers. Um, it's called The Storms of New England. The family's name is Storm. Okay. And um, the first book came out at 125,000 words. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I don't write short. Wow. Um, so in order to pitch it to a couple different places, I'm like, I, I probably should cut some. <laughs> So, uh, It's now about 104,000. So, so that was a very difficult cut. It wasn't one particular scene, uh-huh. um, but it was... Over twenty thousand words. Wow! Yeah, that's mm-hmm.
0: definitely a brutal cut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, billion to one. Would like to know what other writing genres intrigue you?
1: I do read a lot of children's books because being a third grade teacher. Um, so I, I mean, if I if I had to, you know, read some other, I I do like I am a. Bit of a science fiction geek. I, I like all the, the if it's a star in it, chances <laughs> are I've watched it. Star Wars, Star Trek, Stargate. Actually, right now I'm going through a binge watch of Enterprise. Okay. So, um, so science fiction is something that, you know, I um as long as it's not like alien. Yeah, I'm not into that. But I mean I do I I, I actually have great admiration for anybody who can write science fiction or any kind of other world because The amount of energy it takes to create that is amazing. Uh,
0: Clever Trousers 89 uh, asks, what would you change about yourself if you could?
1: What I change about myself physically? No. (laughs) I I don't know what Uh, Clever Trousers is going um, for here. (laughs) You know, I I would say I would have started writing earlier. Ah. I wish I had started because I didn't start writing until I was in my 40s. Mm Yes. (laughs) <laughs> so <laughs> um, I would have started writing earlier because I had all these stories in my head, just never thought to put them on paper mm-hmm. I mean, that was like, no, I didn't like writing. Um, so yeah, I wish I, if I could change something, I would have wanted to start writing earlier. Yeah. So that- you Me, too.
0: <laughs> Me too. Me uh, too. Callie Anderson 420 asks, are you a meticulous planner or does your writing all flow organically?
1: I will plan, and I will, I have sheets where it's, I have character sheets, and it's like, who are these people, you know? And so I will write up little notes as to who they are, what's their background, what are they like? Um, And then I wanna know, before I start writing a book, I have to know, you know what is the conflict you know and in romance a lot of times it, it, well especially romantic suspense you might have a, um, <clears throat> an emotional conflict but then you also have you know like the bad guy who's you know that's a conflict too so I need to know what all of that is before I write I kind of need to know where where are they going to how, how am I gonna fix this but then once I have that information, you know, I might. I actually use Scrivener, mm-hmm. and um, so I love Scrivener because I use the um, little uh, the um, corkboard. Yep. And I will, you know, like okay, well here's a scene, and so I just write a little snippet of the scene, and I put it on all the little um, cards on on the cork, and then I can rearrange them mm-hmm. and whatnot. So I, I will plan a lot of what I want. But not everything. Just I, I have a scene in mind and it's like, okay, that doesn't mean that this is these are the only scenes I'm gonna do, because I find so many times I'll get it's like, okay, we need to have this. So so I will um, I will plot to a certain degree. You know, I, mm-hmm. I know who the characters are, I do need to know what the conflict is. Because um, as you're going along it's like you need to make sure that you show that conflict mm-hmm. and it's not just, you know, especially in romance, you know, it, it's not just people going out on a date. <laughs> you right. know, that's right. kind of boring. Yeah, right,
0: right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so you need to have this, um, the internal conflict and the external conflict. So it's like the um, the external conflict is what brings them together and the internal conflict is what keeps them apart, right. keeps them from being together. Sure. So, I have to know what that is beforehand, but then, then I sit down and I just start writing and, and uh, you know, if, if you're anything like me, it's like, you go, oh, wow, you know, you go back and you read and you go, I wrote that? <laughs> wow. Sometimes you go, oh, yeah, and, but right. and sometimes you go, wow, yeah. I don't remember writing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That's a great feeling. <laughs> Unless you, you know, have that, the who, wrote, who wrote this yeah. crap. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then finally, uh, Hope from Florida asks, "What city
1: inspires you?" What city? Okay, well then I guess, it, well, city. I would have to say Bar Harbor. Okay. Bar Harbor is my favorite place in the world. It just—not that I've been very many places. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't even own a passport. Um, but and that's that's why you know I, the new story that I just wrote that takes place in—or I shouldn't say Bar Harbor—takes place on Mount Desert Island, which is you know right near Bar Harbor, but um yeah you know my husband and i we went up there the year before we got married and then we realized we wanted to go there for our honeymoon and then um we didn't go for a couple years because we're busy having kids Um, But then once the kids were a little bit older, we went up every single year with the kids and it's just, it's the most amazing place. It's absolutely gorgeous, Um, I, you know, of course, you know, we don't go up in January. (laughs) I might have a little different opinion. Right, Um, right. No
0: one in their right mind would go up in January. No. 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 Um,
1: But yeah, so, Bar Harbor. Okay. I, I I just absolutely love it. Okay, great.
0: And this is the question that I end all of the interviews with. I've I've asked all of the authors this. Uh, It's 100 years in the future. We're all dead and gone, hopefully. Uh, There's a young person who goes into a library, hopefully there are still libraries, and approaches the librarian and uh, asks about Carrie Lamour. What does the librarian say to the young person about you?
1: Well, I mean, I'm hoping that they'll, you know, have heard of me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: but you know, I'd like to, I'd like to be known for being, yeah, a good writer, somebody who, you know, could tell a good story, who, um, uh, you know, wrote character-driven books, you know, and because I do get a lot of people like, oh. I love your characters I love your characters and that's and so you know you want to you know you want to read something that's got a little bit of danger a little bit of um, you know little little steam little danger but good good relationships and uh, hopefully they'll be saying that you know I was I was good at that I was good at <laughs> weaving those pieces together nice
0: yes I hope they will be saying that a hundred years from now thank you <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's all the time we have for this episode of Tell Me About Your Damn Book. I'd like to thank Carrie Lamore for joining us today. The book is Running Target. Go out and buy it. It's excellent. (laughs) And cheers.